Good morning, Nashville. My name is Braden Gall, and this is the 440 for Thursday, January 27th. Coming up on the show today, we will take a break from the Tennessee Titans. Yes, Harold Landry, congratulations. You got named to the Pro Bowl with Kevin Byard. That's great news, but we've covered nothing but Titans for the last three or four shows, and I need a break. So we're going to talk Tennessee Volunteers today with Josh Ward, basketball and football recruiting. We're going to talk Nashville SC as the season and training camp is underway, and the U.S. men's national team is back on the pitch for the U.S. qualifying match on Thursday and Saturday. And we are going to hear from Adam Vingan of The Athletic as the Nashville Predators have totally course corrected and won three straight games. Do you own a home in Nashville? If you do, then you need to know the name The Kingston Group. Whether you're looking to buy a new home, build a custom home, or do some major renovation work on your house currently, the only name you need to know is The Kingston Group. Why would you ever make a big financial decision about your home without all of the information in front of you? This is where The Kingston Group comes in. BuildKG.com is the website. Check out their work. I guarantee you, you will be better off. Just go talk to them. The Kingston Group. That's BuildKG.com. It is Thursday, so we welcome Josh Ward from WNML at Josh underscore Ward on Twitter to the program. We do appreciate it. Josh, thank you for joining us as usual. First question about Tennessee football recruiting. Has Josh Heupel done what fans want him to do from the early signing period until now? Has he accomplished what fans want him to wanted him to accomplish? You know, since the early signing period to this point, probably not because I think fans also were really hoping to see some instant impact players added through the transfer portal, which is a separate conversation, but it all kind of blends together now, right? And Tennessee has been active in looking at available prospects through the recruiting process and has targeted a couple of players, but they've been selective. I think partly because of where numbers are right now. I think they're waiting to see what opportunities will be there at the end of spring, and that will come back to the transfer portal. So Tennessee is just, I think, having to be careful with numbers. So I don't know that Tennessee has done what fans wanted to see, but I think the options were pretty limited for Tennessee from December to where they are now. But fortunately for Tennessee, they finished really strong with the early signing period, adding somebody like Tyree West, a defensive lineman who's now on campus, and James Pierce, who in the early signing period, should really count as a win now because they might have lost him in February. With a win over Florida, this team, basketball team, has now won three straight and sort of steadied out the the season after a really tough schedule. Was it just the schedule, in your opinion, that led to the rough start and the team is now leveled out and the players are developing? Is that is that what you've seen so far in, you know, whatever it is, seven, eight, nine games here in the SEC? Well, the schedule, the way that it opened in SEC play, set Tennessee up for failure in terms of the results. But I think Rick Barnes knew, hey, this is going to be tough going to Alabama, despite some of Alabama's struggles. And, and that was a game where Tennessee did not have two key players. And then going to LSU, always tough for Tennessee. Going to Kentucky, always tough for anybody. Now, Tennessee played particularly poorly in those games, and that's Tennessee self-inflicted. So they've made some lineup adjustments. I think they did some soul-searching as well. But then you could come back and say, okay, well, maybe those games helped. Maybe they... Uh, the Vols were exposed a little bit in terms of what some of their flaws were, having to go play at tough places. And that showed them, okay, we need to turn to Uros and see what he can do. Or we need to challenge John Fulkerson or a couple of other players in different ways. And it's good to figure that out in the early part of January, as opposed to all of a sudden that shows up in late February before it's tournament time. And you start to question yourself then. So uh, Tennessee, I think has a good chance here to continue momentum. They're not going to win every game. But the games are going to be manageable than some that they played on the road. If they win enough 
and develop internally as a team, then they can still accomplish a lot in March. What do you want to see from this team against Texas? Uh, I want to see Tennessee show that it can go on the road and shoot well. We can always talk about that, but keep composure. You know, don't turn the ball over and hurt yourself. I want to see Kennedy Chandler lead the way because if we're going to have the conversation about what Tennessee is going to do late in the year, it's easy to point to the guard position, but it's really easy to point to Tennessee when it's most talented and maybe highest upside players are in the backcourt. Chandler, Vescovy, who's been the most consistent player overall this season. Ziegler, who's been maybe the, the biggest impact player in terms of, I didn't expect this. Look at what he's doing for us now. Powell's ability to shoot. So keep your composure, make plays in the backcourt, and then toughness. Can you show that on the road? Because on the road at LSU, on the road at Kentucky, uh, neutral court against Villanova, Tennessee did not have it. Josh Ward, at Josh underscore Ward on the Twitter sphere there, WNML in Knoxville. Thank you so much for joining us, man. We appreciate it. You got it. Thank you. The Nashville Predators have won three straight in convincing fashion after their come-from-behind 4-2 win over Seattle on the road late on Tuesday evening. Philip Forsberg is doing Philip Forsberg things, scoring goals in bunches. Roman Yossi has become the Preds' all-time leading assist man in franchise history. Tanner Janot is a Calder Trophy Rookie of the Year candidate. And the John Hines turnaround is basically complete at this point, as expectations for this team have officially gone from, well, maybe they can make the playoffs to, maybe they can challenge for the two-seed in the division. And while there is nothing at all to complain about with this team right now, the main reason David Poyle's competitive rebuild appears to be years ahead of schedule is, of course, UC Soros. He's arguably the best goaltender in the world right now and has been the most used goaltender in the NHL dating back to last March when the Preds turned their season around and went on a second-half tear. People still question his usage rate because of his size and relative newness to the starting lineup. Being dependent on Soros during a losing streak comes off as a negative. But riding a smoldering goaltender when they are red-hot? Well, that's how you get back to the Stanley Cup Final. Here's what Adam Vingan of The Athletic had to say about UC Soros and the rate with which the Nashville Predators are using him this season. Because, look, when when the Tampa Bay Lightning win the past two Stanley Cups and Andre Vasilevsky starts every single game, nobody's saying, man, they're really running Vasilevsky into the ground. Uh, you know, let's get Curtis McElhaney in there. You know, like that's that's not happening. Um, you know, I think UC Soros has shown over the past you know, calendar year, you know, that he should be mentioned in the same conversation as uh, Andre Vasilevsky, as a Connor Hellebuck, as those quote unquote workhorse goaltenders that can start every game. Like with all respect to David Riddick, I, I don't think you need to see him except for the second halves of back-to-backs. I, I, as long as there's a day between games, UC Saros is in his mid twenties. I'm not worried about him breaking down. Just keep riding him. That's how that's how you win. You know, I it's you know that then that leads to the conversation of you know well would they be having would we be having this conversation if UC Soros was five inches taller? You know, like who knows? But I just I just think that as long as he gets enough rest between games, I have no problem with him playing pretty much every game. That was Adam Bingen of the Athletic, a cut from the Gold Standard podcast out on Thursdays, everywhere you get your podcast covering the Nashville Predators. Make sure you go check out that show. We really appreciate it. We believe it's the Gold Standard of Nashville Predators podcasts. Rate, review, and subscribe, folks. We really appreciate it. It is soccer season in Tennessee. Nashville SC is in training camp right now, and the preseason begins on the 28th. That's right, this weekend, Nashville SC will play a preseason match. 
Also, the U.S. men's national team is back on the pitch. They will play El Salvador on Thursday evening in Columbus. Then they'll play Canada on Saturday. And to give us some insight into both the U.S. men's national team World Cup qualifying matches this weekend, but also to get you prepared for another season of Nashville SC Soccer, we turn to Tim Sullivan of ClubCountryUSA.com and the Club & Country podcast to tell us exactly what we need to know about Nashville SC heading into year three in the MLS. When you look at what Nashville SC built the first two seasons, it was a club that was mostly built around defense. um, Walker Zimmerman has won MLS Defender of the Year both years that he's been with Nashville SC, both years that Nashville SC has existed. He's going to be back. He's away with the U.S. men's national team for the first part of preseason training, but he's going to be back by the time the season gets going. And this roster was built around kind of making him be the most important piece on the team. Fortunately, going into the second year, they added a little bit more offensive punch, not by adding players, but just by getting more out of designated player, midfielder, striker kind of combo, Hani Mukhtar. And he was able to carry the torch offensively and, and set up CJ Sapong, the veteran U.S. men's national team uh, alumnus who, who bagged a whole lot of goals last year. When you look at what they're adding this year, it's kind of kind of bridging the gap between those two, adding a midfielder in Sean Davis, who is a very good defensive midfielder, but also kind of similar to what fans have seen out of longtime captain Dax McCarty. He's a guy who's able to get forward a little bit. He's also like six years younger than Dax, so hopefully he'll be able to kind of carry the torch when it's time for Dax to hang up the boots. But altogether, you're looking at a roster that's pretty similar to the past couple of years, just with a little bit of added punch and you mentioned the U.S. men's national team. Uh, of course, they will be on display Thursday evening against El Salvador. They're going to play Canada, the number one and two teams in in CONCACAF right now for qualifying on Saturday. What, what, what do people need to know? Give us a little preview of the El Salvador match, a, a game they should win. Uh, and then, of course, the huge match coming up against Canada. What, what do you want to see from the U.S. men's national team in these three games? The main thing that you look at with the El Salvador game is that the United States Soccer Federation kind of intentionally made life difficult for the Salvadorans. They pr- they're putting this game in Columbus, Ohio, where it is not going to be as warm as it might be in San Salvador this time of year. So it's going to be a situation where those guys are coming in and, and having to perform in weather conditions that they're not really used to. And that's something that U.S. soccer is, is I think they're a little bit of gamesmanship you can look at. And in terms of what the, the quality of the roster is, there are some pretty good players for El Salvador. A lot of their guys ply their trade in MLS. But when you look at the names on the U.S. men's national team, it's kind of at a different caliber. You have a bunch of Premier League guys playing at the highest level of the sport. You have guys who are playing in the German Bundesliga. As talented as El Salvador might be from kind of an MLS perspective, they don't have the kind of world-class talent that you would expect the United States men's national team. In terms of Canada, they do have a lot of that European-based talent. Um, some of the guys who are, are playing at the highest levels of any team in CONCACAF are playing for the Canadian men's national team right now. It should be a, a kind of a heavyweight clash. Obviously, these two teams drew one-to-one when they played right here in Nashville back in September. Uh, I think the Americans are hoping for a measure of revenge because they felt like they didn't get everything that they wanted out of that game, whereas Canada is going to come out and say, we really are what we seemed at that time. We want to prove that we have the opportunity to be right there with Mexico and the United States year after year, and and maybe for the 2022 World Cup qualifying, we'll be number one. I think when you look at what the conditions are going to bring in Hamilton, Ontario, that kind of helps explain why the United States is playing their home games in cold weather as well. They don't want to kind of be awestruck by that like Mexico was. And and so I think when you look at kind of the the big picture of all of these factors coming together, it should really be a heavyweight clash. That was Tim Sullivan of the Club and Country Podcast. Make sure you check that out every single Tuesday covering Nashville SC. Of course, we also talk U.S. men's national team. That game against El Salvador Thursday evening, 630 on ESPN2. 
The 440 is brought to you by our wonderful friends, the Kingston Group. BuildKG.com is the website. They are Nashville's locally owned custom home and remodeling firm, and they are the only name you need to know if you're making a big decision about your house or your future house. Just check out their work. BuildKG.com is the website. Just talk to them. I guarantee you, you will be better off. That's the Kingston Group, BuildKG.com. Thank you guys all for listening. Make sure you're checking out all the great podcasts from Broadway Sports Media, reacting to the Titans' loss to Cincinnati. Still a lot of aftermath to discuss there. Of course, Club and Country out every single Tuesday covering Nashville SC. you got the Gold Standard covering the Preds, Fringe Element covering the SEC, and Lamestream Sports featuring John Glennon coming out on Friday. Rate, review, subscribe to all those great shows. Please share the product. We really appreciate it. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. This has been the 440 for Thursday, January 27th. The 440 is a production of 440 Media, written and produced by Braden Gall, music by William Tyler.